1: Firefighter who worked on an engine his entire career had recently been promoted to the rank of lieutenant. On his first day with his new responsibilities, another officer on the shift called in sick, and the lieutenant was assigned to the latter company. A few hours into his shift, his company responded to a heavily involved warehouse fire. Their job was to set up an elevated stream and pour water on the fire from a distance. It was a defensive attack. He told the driver where to position. The apparatus. The driver had worked on the ladder company his entire career and had been on the job for the same numbers of years as the lieutenant. He was the one with the most experience on the ladder operations on the job. Having raised and positioned the aerial hundreds of times, he felt the suggested position was incorrect. So he did what a good driver is supposed to do. He spoke up. Lieutenant, the stream will not reach this from this location. We should move the apparatus about 20 feet, the driver said. The lieutenant heard the driver's opinion, but decided to discard it. Position where I told you, he sternly ordered. The driver and the other two firefighters on the ladder company did what they were told. After raising the aerial and establishing a water supply, they began to flow the water. It missed the fire by 20 feet. This newly appointed officer made a classic mistake of confusing position with experience. Mistakes like this happen, but the people in leadership positions need to learn from them. Otherwise, they may not be ready for a leadership role. Not every member of a team is ready to lead. In fact, some departments have had a bad habit of allowing uneducated, sometimes incompetent individuals to be elevated to the highest levels within their organization. This needs to be corrected. A fire service leader must be educated, competent, and prepared. And that is an excerpt from the book Step Up Your Teamwork by Frank Viscuso. Who is our guest today, Frank? Sir, thank you for joining us. This is going to be episode number forty-five of the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast.
0: Well, Mike, thank you. I'm an, I'm really honored to be here. I appreciate the invite.
1: Thank you. So that's uh, that little clip of your book um, is actually a book that I used for my last uh, promotional process. And there's a lot of really good tidbits in there. And one of the things that I kept finding myself revisiting is the relatability, especially this story specifically, and and like we talked about before recording, you know, I've been that guy as a firefighter where I had an officer that just wouldn't listen to me, and it, you know, all right, I mean, you're in charge, you got it, and um, you know, I think that person learned a lesson, and then, you know, as a new officer, I, I as we talked about, I had somebody that I was not a big fan of driving for me, and I didn't listen to that person, and they were right, and I was wrong as the officer, I was wrong, I was a newer officer. And uh, it blew up in my face. And, and I think what I learned was, you know, again, as we were talking about, it was just because you don't like someone or whoever the players are, you know, you have to be able to take the situation objectively and, and, and see it at face value, not allow your emotions to get into it. Um, and then trust the guys that are the experts that are doing the job.
0: See, that's what it really comes down to. Uh, The key in everything you just said to me was that you learned. We're all going to make these mistakes. You know, when you get into a leadership position, yeah, you get into a leadership position and all of a sudden you think, am I supposed to know everything? Uh, It could be very intimidating. But uh, just before we went live, one of the sentences I said to you was you have to put your aces in their places. You have to know Uh, who your key players are, what their strengths are, and how to utilize that to help your team be successful. And you think about a football team, think about a baseball team, think about a soccer team, any sport, any sport. You have to put the right people in the right positions and trust them because they're, they're there for a reason. They have specific talents, specific abilities. And just because you're leading a team doesn't mean you're the smartest person in the room. And you'd be foolish to think you have to be the smartest person in all areas. Utilize the strength of the people around you. It's the key.
1: Yeah, and you know, and again, this is another experience of mine is I want to be smart enough and, intel- and experienced enough to, uh, I guess, be um, an asset, not a liability. But you also, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room because you want to be able to um collectively have everybody come together, you know, do their jobs and all that, but then you want that you want those people to be able to bring you up. It's I I forget exactly who said this quote, but like, you know, if you hang out with five fast sprinters, you'll be the sixth. If you yeah. hang out with five millionaires, you'll be the sixth. If you hang out with five um losers, you'll be the sixth. And I am yep. I'm, I'm kind of butchering that quote, but that no, ultimately that No, you that's, got it
0: right. No, you got that's it right. What yeah it is Associate. listen think about this there's not one parent you know a, re- a, a, a you know a competent reliable parent out there who's not concerned with who their children hang out with why sure. do we think when we become adults that that changes it doesn't you have to be concerned with who you spend time with it's funny because i i write every day i write down goals that i want to accomplish and sometimes it's uh work related sometimes it's personal sometimes it's you Know it could be business, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of things. I have a couple uh financial goals that I'm trying to set, um, of things that I'm trying to do to help my kids get off on the right foot. Um, they're very young, my two youngest, you know, and I started these funds for them, uh, already. And I'm thinking, you know what, I need to do a certain type of investment here. Uh, you know, started this, uh, uh a Roth IRA for minors, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but just putting the money in doesn't mean it's going to accumulate you have to invest the money when you put it in so i'm looking at my options and right after i get off the phone with you i'm calling the smartest financial guy that i know and i've known him my whole life sure. and i'm just going to ask him so here's what i'm thinking about doing uh am i in, am i going down the right path here he understands the market way better than i do so i'm not i don't trust myself to make the right decision uh with where i invest my money without counseling with people smarter than me. So now let's transfer that whole thought process to anything you do in life, in our case, the fire ground. If you have people and you will around you who are competent in certain areas, I had people around me, here I am a deputy chief, I'm an incident commander running a scene. I had drivers on the scene that were way better at not not just securing a water supply, better at securing the proper water supply? Are we getting what we need from this main? Because I've had drivers come up to me and say, Chief, we got a main right down the street that's larger. And if we get a second line from there, you know, they, they know this stuff. Now, and sure. granted, I know the hydrants. I got the hydrant map in front of me. But these guys just know it because they're just really good at it. Certain people that are good at forcible entry, ventilation, hose line deployment, anything. Let them do their job. Don't think you need to correct it. I mean, I can't stand working for a micromanager. Yeah, I love yeah. working for people who are competent, putting them in their lane, and letting them do their job. That's success. That's how every great business in America became successful. Not every business, every great business.
1: Sure. And, you know, and that's, it's really funny the way that you brought that up by allowing people to do their job. And, and, and I think, and kind of what I was getting at before of being, you know, being the sixth person and um being, you know, being able to be part of that successful team, not a liability, be an asset, not a liability is, you know, how many times, and, you know, please, by all means, elaborate on this as much as you want, as much as you'd like, excuse me. Um, How many times have you gone in thinking somebody's doing something wrong and you're like, you go to correct them and they were right. And I've done that, which and you know as well as as well as I do in your experience, um, how important that is uh, as a company level officer. You know, on an engine on a ladder truck, where you know everybody has their assigned positions, and your job is to kind of oversee everything at the company level. So you are going to check in a little bit. You may not say something to some of those guys, but you know, you kind of poke your head back. Yeah, they're pulling the right line. Okay. This guy's forcing the door, all right, he's making progress. And then you kind of look around at your situation, all right, everybody's where they need to be, everything's where it should be. And what I kind of learned was, you know, just step back and, and observe and, and and back them up if they need to or encourage them if they need to or, you know, hey, maybe flip the Halgen bar around a different way or make suggestions, not walk in and, like you said, micromanage because, you know, they're probably on the right path, and if they're not, you have the the experience and the knowledge, which is why experience and knowledge are so important as well, to know yeah. how to fill in those gaps if maybe they're just off by a little bit. But I, I do I'll think – give you a asking, perfect example of would... that,
0: by the way. I'm sorry. I can give Go you ahead. an example of that. I didn't mean to step on you there. Yeah, yeah. But, No, you're um, good. You're good. You know, there was uh, – several years ago, we had a – um and extrication and entrapment. And uh, I don't want to get into details of the incident. I'll just tell you this. My job as the incident commander is, again, uh, I'm I'm there for scene safety. I'm there to make sure we have the right resources there. I'm there to initiate the game plan, but they have to execute the game plan. And I have uh, one particular officer that worked under my command that was significantly better more educated at extrication than I was, um, had more jobs, had more training on it, had a better understanding of the tools. And one time uh, we show up and uh, the victim was was pinned in the driver's seat, uh, a head-on collision, and he starts calling for the, the tools. He got there just before me. He's kneeling down in front of her and they're getting ready to roll the dash, you know, make a cut, push it, do the whole thing. And I am just walked around the scene real quick. I'm making sure all right, we got the cribbing down, uh, you know, no significant leaks. We got a line in place, though. We got all, everything we need there. And as I'm watching him get ready to roll this, to push this, the, the, the steering wheel off the victim's chest, I walked up and I said, did you try the seat lever? And I'll never forget it. He looked at me like, I didn't even think of it, you know, to try before you pry method, right? So he just hits the seat lever. It goes back, releases the pressure, and we're able to pull it right out. And that's like an example. He's better at this than me, but sometimes we get task fixation. You're so focused yep. on what your plan is. Sometimes you need somebody to step back and, and have, a, have, a, have a wider sphere of, of, of situational awareness where they could say you know what you're focused on this and that's great but i'm seeing this right here and we can relay that information come up with the best game plan
1: yeah and you know and that's kind of again talking about being the asset right and having having and knowing where the aces and their places are you know your place for that situation is to not think about the actual mechanics of the extrication and it's actually probably an asset that you don't know as much as that officer did, because now you're not trying to think on his level at the company level in front of your two hands. You're able to, I'm trying to think of how to say this, not knowing as much as he does, I think may have been, in that situation may have been um, an edge because now you could sit there and just look back and you're not thinking about it because you don't know any better as far as extrication. You're like, well, maybe that C-level will work. You, you know what I mean? And it's not an ignorance yeah, as temporary. far as- You're right. Yeah, it's you're on the super simple level where he's at a super duper technical level, and you know it's really funny how you brought that up. And, and you know, if I may, I, I want to throw a little story out there um, of something I recently experienced, uh, very similar, um, but it wasn't on an it wasn't even an emergency. Um, we had a piece of apparatus that we went to go on a call, and the vehicle wouldn't come out of first gear. Right, couldn't put in neutral, could put in first gear. Some warning lights popped up, so obviously immediately we're in limp, the vehicle's in limp mode right? Can't turn around because we can't get in reverse. Can't get neutral. We can't do anything. Make a few left-hand turns around the block. And now we're right back to the firehouse on the front ramp, pull up. One of the guys comes out and this is a, one, probably the most simplistic thing. I would have, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, you know, all right, there's a mechanical problem or there's a computer problem or a software problem. What the hell? And the guy walks out, he's got 12 years on sharp as could be really sharp. Great guy on my shift. And he goes, why don't we put in pump gear? Put in pump gear, take it out. Maybe that might reset everything. Put in pump gear, took it out. Or put in pump gear at everything. Simple. Went right back to normal, acted like the fire truck had never had a problem. Ultimately, he went down to the shop, you know, whatever. And all he, all this guy was literally doing was just sitting in the back, listening to the fire truck, and kind of just had an idea from experience, not really involved, not sitting up front with me and the driver, where we're both going not back and forth in a bad way, but like, we're kind of like tossing ideas out there of like what it could be. What's the next step. And he's just chilling in the back and listens to everything. and goes, Let's try pump gear. Same thing or similar thing. Excuse me. Okay. And, and it's a simple, it's a simple thing. I mean, who, you know, all these warning lights, vehicles, you know, vehicles not coming out of first gear. You don't have neutral. It's a large piece of apparatus, lots of snow on the ground, everything. It's all, all these things are going on. And it's a simple suggestion of a guy, having a, a much bigger view than what, what's in front of his two hands, like like we kind of did and, you know, like your, your example as well. And that ultimately, um, I guess to kind of tie this together, what I was getting at is, you know, as a company level officer and, and as a leader specifically, you know, allowing everyone in both of those situations, the driver, the firefighter making the suggestion, the officer doing the extrication, allowing them to kind of just do their thing and you stepping back Your link in the chain of success is observation and direction at that point, right? But not knowing something helps and having experience of being in those specific positions before helps as well. And, you know, some of the most simplistic things are the most successful and and the easiest ways to handle the situation that, I mean, I, I drove for a while, but I would have never thought to put it in pump gear. You know, I probably, to be honest with you, I did, I spent some time on a rescue squad and I probably would have not, I don't think I would have thought about being trying the lever first. I would have been like, all right, cool. Roll the dash, dash lift, you know, doors, roof, dash gone. Let's go. (laughs) You you know what I mean? Those are the best
0: teams in the fire service. uh, The ones that where they can put their heads together and figure out the game plan. Now, granted, I mean, it's like anything else. The goal is to train to a point where you could show up and everybody knows their job. Everybody's prepared. Everybody's ready and everybody executes. But we're going to have incidents where we show up and it's like, well, maybe we didn't train for this type of incident. Or maybe we didn't train for this. You know, one of the survivors of that day. But there's an example where he's saying we didn't prepare for this. Sure. Um sure and it's going to happen to all of us. And it depends on your department. I mean, some departments don't listen. I do, I do this for a living. I travel, I'm in, you know, 60 times a year. I'm in an organization somewhere, uh, talking about leadership, talking about training, talking about preparation. And, uh, and I can tell you that, uh, I think there is a coma of complacency in many organizations to where they don't realize how far away they are from actually being prepared. They fool themselves and think we're ready. But I mean, if you're not training on the basics all the time, you are not ready. And and I use these analogies a lot because it's easy for people to relate to. You know, I, you're wearing a Ravens hat. We talked before. You know, we're both baseball fans. You like the Orioles. I like the Yankees. But I, I'm a, actually I like the Orioles too. I do. You know, they're an, uh, they're an amazing team. I went to, to, to uh, see them play this last year. And, um, you know, best place to catch a, a game is Camden Yards. Camden Yards um, is beautiful. It's, it's unbelievable. The best place that I've ever been to uh, to catch a game. And I've been to quite a few stadiums. But these guys, these pro baseball players, practice the basics over and over and over and over and over again. Rutman is hitting off a tee somewhere sometime this week. Yep. You know, somewhere sometime this week and we're off season right now. I don't know when somebody could be listening to this in the middle of playoffs one time recorded. Sure. But sure. right now it's off season. He's doing something training this week, just like just like Aaron Judge is doing something, just like Mike Trout is doing something, just like Otani's doing, probably counting his money. That's probably what Otani is doing. Gonna say he's,
1: he's collecting a gigantic paycheck. But yeah, sure. So
0: by, <laughs> by the way, when I last game, I went to Otani and they, they're playing the Angels. Otani and Trout both hit home runs, uh, in Camden oh, Yards. Cool. But, but yeah, it was awesome. But, uh, but the uh, <laughs> Orioles came back and won it in extra innings. I think it was extra. <sighs> nice. It's either the end of uh, the bottom of the ninth or extra.
1: It sounds about right. They they've done, they did that quite a bit throughout the season. I think they were, I mean they were in the top five in, in the majors for um, comeback wins with extra innings and winning games, um, with single digit uh, runs. Your fans are brutal, by the way. Because I was there at my son's baseball team, and wh-
0: and we were uh, in left field, and when Trout hit a home run, it was mm-hmm. honestly like about four people away from our kids being able to get that home run ball. Uh, but oh, the wow. guy that caught it was a Ravens fan. He threw it back in on the field. <laughs>
1: oh jeez! We like,
0: everybody's like, "Why do he throw that back?" We're like, "You'll understand when you get older."
1: What an angel, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, and and, and to your point. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I totally get it. And it, again, it's all about basics and mechanics. And, you yeah. know, when you talk about hitting a baseball and, and you know, it, the mechanics of your swing, the more you do it, the more it becomes natural. And when you start, uh, uh, natural, yeah, maybe that's right. Um, what's that well, called? Well, listen, uh, uh, but, but here's working? the thing.
0: But here's another thing about the You have to make sure when you're training, you're training the right way because, like yeah. a swing, If you're not, if you're not, if you you could take 500 swings today or this week, if they're wrong, you just cemented a bad habit. And it's the same thing with doing a search drill. Okay. Let's just say, Hey, we do search drills all the time. All right. Explain to me how you do your search drill. You might be doing it wrong. You know, are you doing it the way it's, it's, it's going to happen, uh, the day of the incident and are you creating some kind of stress and some kind of um, urgency to it because you're yeah. going to have that in the real world. And if you're going to have that in the real world, well, train for that, prepare for it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, relevant quality training because you could, and, and I've seen this uh, through social media of, you know, social media being social media, people have put videos up of, you know, pulling hand lines and doing different things, but they're not doing it correctly. And no one's stopping them, and you know what? I mean, and don't get me wrong—they're out there, they're training, they have the the guts, or maybe it's a lack of knowledge—I don't Um, know—and they're putting it out there on the internet. That takes a lot of courage, you you know, because you people are going to bombard you, and people are going to crush you, and you know, you may think it's the right way to do it, and you'll have ten thousand people that that don't know any better or think you're wrong. They're going to destroy you. That's just the way it is. The keyboard keyboard
0: commanders are relentless. People are looking for something.
1: They're they, they, they looking
0: to justify their own existence. Yeah. And, yeah. Listen, by the way, Mike, it's worth taking just a moment to talk about this. Uh, it, it It's frustrating. I mean, first of all, I have a, a page that at this point has about 142,000 followers on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I put out a lot of content and a lot of leadership uh, uh, content, a lot of personal growth content. Uh, some fire tips, and uh, and that that page kind of transcends the fire service. There's a lot of people now following that aren't in a fire service. I follow. And it. Tom- oh, thank you. That's yeah, yeah, a step no, up and lead. Yeah. But but yeah. what happens is uh, there's bad that comes with it too. You know there there's people out there that are, um, you know, that they, they are looking to just disagree with someone. I had somebody screenshot something I posted on my Facebook page, and then they go to Twitter. And on Twitter, they're bashing me instead of just, you know, saying something to you, saying something to me, like you're that to me, that's so it's, it's like a cowardice act. You're going to a whole nother site, like say it right here to me. And it's no big deal. I mean, in all honesty, I got no problems uh, with the person at all, but I had to have somebody call me up saying, Hey, who is this guy? and Why is he bashing you over here? I'm like, I have no idea. But also what he was doing was taken out of context, you know, without really understanding uh, what the discussion is about. Just, they just want to throw stuff out there. People are kind of building their brands by, uh, saying, you know, all these guys don't know what they're talking about. Follow me. I do. And it's like, come on, these guys know what they're talking about. And guess what? You know what you're talking about too. There's room for everybody, but the minute you have to discredit somebody to build yourself, that's when you lose me as a supporter, because that's just not what I believe in.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and again, it's just like anything, especially as being a company level officer, you can disagree with stuff. I don't have to agree with you. It doesn't mean you're wrong with, I mean, obviously there's things that are either, you know, they're very black and white, but 90% of the fire service, 90% of the world that we work in is a gray area. That's why hopefully your department, any department would have a uh, policy or a general order, I mean, rather than a actual step-by-step procedure, because a lot of step-by-step procedures when it comes to emergency operations may not work because there's an X factor. The X there factor is can an be factor. anything. There could be, and you can't predict it. And if you don't right. live in that gray area, you're going to lose. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to lose. You're going to yep. by lose. I mean, you're going to be unsuccessful. You're going to be bogged down on the fire ground. You're going to get, and if you have a competitive fire ground, you could get walked over. Um, you know, I'm not saying competition like that is always a good thing, but I am still fairly young and I think it's a little fun still and, you know, a little
0: yeah, fun I rivalry understand. with other no, companies. It.
1: Um, but I think the I biggest totally thing that I that I that I wanted to get at with with a lot of that was um you know, you have to be able to think for yourself. And to touch a little bit on um with what you said about social media, it's it's actually really funny that you brought that up because I had somebody screenshot one of my posts saying all this stuff. They're like, uh, <laughs> nope, nope. Didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. He goes, he goes, Oh shit. Well now I feel like an idiot. I'm like, well, you kind of look like one. It, it, it was, it was funny. It was, it was really funny. He's, you know, he's been a supporter and, uh, you know, he's very, very supportive of it. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, you know, and he was kind of for a while and I was kind of waiting when to tell him cause I didn't really announce a lot of this at first. Yeah, And he, you know, I've heard people kind of talk like who somebody from our department's putting this stuff out there. Who is it? And I'm just kind of like chuckling and it started becoming kind of fun. And then I realized, you know, I probably should admit to this. And I actually had it blow up in my face with uh, one of the guys that I work with. He's like, Hey man, why are we finding out from somebody else? You're doing this project. Why didn't you tell us? And I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of thought I would do it and see where it went and then pull the plug if I didn't like it. And it was actually kind of damaging a little bit to my leadership. And I didn't realize or think about it at the time. It was kind of like, you know, why does it matter? But everything, but those things do matter. You know, they they really do. Yeah. So, and one, and real quick, I don't don't want to cut you off and I apologize, but one to touch a little bit on your Twitter thing. and I got to get this out there. So I have a video that I put up where it's literally a clip from Joe Rogan. And then a video that I found that I had actual permission from the guy that made it, him and I talked, I used it. I gave actual credit the way you should and all that. And this video got, uh, I think it's probably up to 250,000 plays right now. I think like 10,000 people liked it. And I think there's like, I, I, I cannot keep, um, keep up on the con. I haven't tried to keep up on the comments, but there's a lot of comments, but there's a ton of things going on there where, I mean, you want to talk about dragging through the mud. They're like, you know, I it was his whole, this whole shtick that he put out about having, um, A warrior mindset, and you know, you know, something to the effect of, you know, there's certain people that if they were back in the day, they'd be warriors riding into battle with the biggest axe. It's not about being a warrior; it's about the mentality and the attitude, which is kind of what we're talking about today: the mentality and the attitude to go out, execute, and just freaking crush it. That's all it was about, and then it turned into this whole thing. And again, this is why it's funny: there's people I've seen comments that I know. There's no way they know that I have, that's my page.
0: Right. And
1: like this shit there, the stuff, excuse me, the stuff that they're saying, I'm laughing, but again, it, it kind of talks into it. It's like, well, you're missing the point of the message. It's literally a video with words just to put up for content. It's not, <laughs> you, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and again, it's people are not paying attention to what the basics are. They're so caught up in certain things and they're so caught up in what's in between their two, their two hands where, you know, and to touch on what you said a little bit earlier, the basics are always going to prevail, and you'll, you can always adapt the basics to anything. Lay out, pull a line, put your back up a little bit. Correct address, get there, lay out, pull a line, have your gear on correctly, put water on the fire. It's, it's usually yes. that simple. Getting the water you know? there may not be that simple, but the theory and ideology of laying out, pulling a hand line. Putting water on the fire, and the manner in which, and the means you go, and how you go, where you go, where you start, and where you end up, I mean, that's all going to be um, objective to the, or subjective to the situation at hand.
0: You have but to be the- very good at doing certain things. Listen, if you think about this, every fire you go to, you're doing all the same things. You know, like you just said. You have to get there. You have to position your apparatus, hose line selection and deployment, water supply, uh, forcible entry, search and rescue ladder in the building, ventilation, communication and coordination, utility control. You, we can go out down. Everything you do at every single fire is basically the same. Follow me. Just like, again, sure. baseball. You have to hit, you have to field, you have to pitch, you have to catch. It's just, You have to do the same thing on a fire ground. What changes are strategy and tactics based on a scenario, and problems encountered. Other than that, even when you're done with the fire, you're doing the same things. You're calling the fire under control. You're putting apparatus back in service. You may do a tailboard critique. You know, uh, you got to get back to the station, clean up the hose. It's so much of it, 90% of what you do, uh, and granted, I mean, it could be 95%, it could be 85%, but the great majority of what you do at any fire You're doing at every fire. So you have to be good at those things. And when you, the people that understand that, see, I worked with some officers over the course of the years that liked getting new firefighters, because when they got new firefighters, they got to get back to the basics. They knew we're going to do the basic skills. But then I worked with and knew of some officers that didn't want new firefighters because they didn't want to go do that stuff. Well, that's what we do every day anyway. So why would you not want to do that? You know, don't get that's what I mean by that coma of complacency. A good officer, I understand. Man, when you got a when you have a good team, all right, hey, there's four of us on this apparatus. We finally got the right four. This is I mean, we're clicking, everything's great. I understand saying, Hey, I don't want a new one now because then I'm gonna lose one. I I understand that mentality. But to know you have you have an opening. To have the mentality of, well, "Don't give me a new one. Give me. I'd rather have this one over here." And don't give me a new one, strictly because you don't want to do the basics. That's a problem, because yeah. now you're starting to to uh,
1: detach yourself
0: from what it is we do. Yeah, you know, we do. Yeah, the
1: basics and, and adaptability is a, is king on the fireground. And sure. so, <clears throat> to kind of tie the last thirty minutes in, into everything. Uh, excuse me. To tie everything in together, together, um, you know, you brought up a, a few really good points, and you know, I think when you t- when you're able to step back and see that view as an officer, and you're able to guide and you're able to uh, coach, you know, coachability as a firefighter is a huge thing. Coachability as an officer is even bigger. To where you know you mentioned everything has the same. Almost the same steps. Just, we'll, we'll keep this simplest, uh, simple for the conversation, but and, you know, structure fires, you got to lay out, you got to pull a line, you got to have your gear on, you have to have all of that. Um, and everything that we talked about is going to happen on every fire. The, the fires are going to be really, really big or small, whatever it is. If you're a brand new officer, the situation and the emergency doesn't care if you're brand new. And you, and which is why the fire service is unique, and it's very similar to, um, very similar to uh, professional sports in a way. Your biggest, or is different than professional sports in a way. Excuse me. Your championship game, your biggest moment, your Super Bowl moment, could be day one, the first second you walk in the firehouse. Whereas professional sports, you have to get the championship game. In firefighting and, and in the fire service, um, you could have your Super Bowl your first day. You could have several Super Bowls your right. first day. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? The fire service does, or the, the, the fire, yeah, the fire service in general does not care. So you have a guy with 35 years as an, as, as a firefighter and he's in there doing his thing, you know, that six month guy is still going to have to step up and do the same job. You know, it doesn't ma- It doesn't matter. You know, the, the fire with reported entrapment and multiple people, multiple victims on arrival, can happen to you if your first day right that could you be your very first house. day
0: it could be your very first job you know I had a conversation with a Navy SEAL once that said um, well first of all let me talk about what I heard a SEAL say about the similarities between our profession and being a SEAL and then I'll elaborate on what the what the other one told me. Uh, right. We both fight an enemy that could strike any time during the day and night. We both fight an enemy that hits us with an unknown size and intensity we both fight an enemy that maneuvers rapidly, causing us to have to rely on teamwork and the ability to adapt, like you said, in order to defeat it. Then he talked about um, why seals are so good. One is their selection process. Two is they have the equipment to do the job. And three, how they train. Well, we have the equipment to do the job as well. And maybe our selection process is not well. We not maybe. It's definitely not as strict. They want you to ring the bell. They want you to quit. They're trying to break you. And of course, we don't quite go to that level here, but we have the equipment to do the job. We have to train the right way to do the job. But I had a, a JP Danel on my podcast, uh, and he worked under Jocko Willink, and uh, and and works with Jocko and Leif now with that show front. But he um, he said he really he really admires and respects firefighters. Uh, because he says, you don't know when your missions are going to happen. He says many times, like we will as seals prepare for missions, but there's a lot of times where they know, Hey, in 48 hours, we're being deployed or, or even 10 hours, or think about it, even five hours, five hours from now, we're being deployed. We're going, we don't get a five hour warning. You get alarm came in. Guess what? Okay. We just got a call of a working structure fire. Or, or a multi, multi-vehicle pile-up and entrapment, and all of a sudden, it's game time. So the best fire service professionals, career or volunteer, I don't care. the best professionals in the fire service are the ones, in my opinion who keep that thought in mind are, like you said, our Super Bowl can happen any given moment. So we need to be ready for it at any given moment. And the simplest things. You know, train every day. Every day you come to work, expect a fire. Every fire, expect a rescue. If you don't have fires, you don't have rescues, train for them. Then, granted, maybe, well, today we have to train on confined space or technical rescue or hazmat or decon. All right, great. Train every day. So when that incident happens, you leave there feeling prepared. And that's the key. You know, sure. to me.
1: And I think the biggest test of your resolve and as a, as an officer specifically, and I'm talking from my own experience, one of the one of the absolute worst calls of my career in my 17 years came in the middle of the night on a holiday after a slow afternoon after we had Thanksgiving food and we were dead asleep. Like I think it might have been like three o'clock in the morning. Might have been a little bit later. Might have been earlier. Either way. Yep. Zero warning, and you wake up to your tones and you're like oh it's a box what's going on and then you read the call text and you're like holy shit right yeah that that's that's the biggest test because i think with a lot of the military and i don't i was never in the military i don't i was i'm not even going to claim to be in any way but from what i know of it is you know this is our target here's our plan for our target they do a mission brief everyone knows everything everyone knows the job of the guy above them guy above him make sure the guy below him knows him and quote a really good book um one bullet away making a marine corps officer when written by nate fick one of the things that he was saying was you know what's stopping you or what makes what is going to make you the next platoon leader of this company one bullet right so in theory right yeah one you know your boss gets killed it's now you and obviously all the way down the line um but you know what, yeah, so one of the worst mo- one one of the worst moments of my career was that call, and on the flip side, one of my best moments, um, where everything just felt great, everything clicked. I wouldn't call it a redemption call, but maybe a redemption call. Um, same street of the bad fire. And um, I'm not going to say the name of the street to kind of keep the anonymity of of everything, but it was Smith Street Good, Smith Street Bad is kind of the common joke that the guys on my shift have because most of them were not with me when Smith Street Bad happened. They were there for Smith Street Good. But everything everything clicked. And again, random call popped out, multiple entrapment. They're in there. This guy's in the basement. That guy's upstairs. We're pretty sure they set themselves on fire. And it was like, What? The call went out for smoke in the house and well, no. there, well, there was smoke in the house and, you know, later on it ended up being a, a fatal fire and, and everything and, and everything on the, on the fire department side, what went, went great. The driver had his job, the lineman had his job, the uh, forcible entry guy had his job. Every single one of those three were freaking outstanding in everything. Very little talking, very little direction. Hey, you good? All right, cool. You guys got, you got water? All right. Hey, charge line? All right, great. Do my 360, relay it, go back in. And then it's a lot, it's a ton of, and you know how it is, Uh, no visibility, high heat, ton of communication, small communication, direct and to the point, efficient, effective, fire goes out. And all of that, and you probably, and I know you, and a lot of the people listening probably know what this feels like, where it feels like a very, very long period of time, but it's a matter and it's. Yeah. less than a few minutes. Everything yeah. slows down. Everything's quiet. You know, you have that stress inoculation where everything starts kind of closing in and, and all that. And what I think, well, I guess the point that I'm making is everything was like a well-oiled machine on, on some mystery good. Yeah. Um. And, and again, it was, you know, an unex- unexpected call just randomly happened. It was a slow day. I think we ran maybe one call that call hit uh, right early afternoon, late afternoon, probably We'll just say like four o'clock for conversation's sake. I th- if I remember correctly, I may be wrong about that. I think it was like around four o'clock, but I mean, we did all our stuff for the day. Everyone was kind of just chilling yep, and here at our own time. Yeah, that's how it happens. That happens. And bam, and bam, and but hammered it. Yeah, everybody just absolutely did their job very, very efficiently, and I was just kind of facilitating and communicating, and that and that was kind of it. Um, you know, nobody was like sitting next to each other, grabbing each other. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't reach out for the other two guys, but you know, I knew where the guy with the line was. I knew the guy with, uh, that was doing entry, doing his searches. I knew exactly where he was, you know what I mean? The whole time. And we were able to communicate and that, and you know, that kind of talks about it where we don't have all that mission brief. We don't have all those, um, all that information, all these itinerary, it was, it's literally boom and everybody starts going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and it's a beautiful thing when you see that well-oiled machine happen. You know, it's, it's really interesting because I think about this. Uh, there was a, a b- prior to becoming a firefighter, you know, I'd I, like everybody else tried a whole bunch of uh, jobs and spent a little time here. My summer gig was I was a lifeguard at the ocean at the Jersey Shore. And uh, we had really cool, good systems in place. We would have two guards up on a stand and anytime we'd have we'd rotate two are up in a stand for an hour two are up in a guard shack or you know i don't even know what they call it um but our you know kind of a, our guard building uh for an hour and every hour we'd rotate you know which doesn't happen a lot on beaches it's like you, this is your eight hour shift you know or whatever so anytime we had to make a rescue uh one would turn, throw, and blow three whistles. We had something around our waist, a belt around our waist, and we would uh, connect a rope to it. You'd swim out to the victim, grab the victim, and now you'd have three firefighters on land because the other two run down, and they're pulling you in. So just in case you got caught in a riptide or something like that, really, guess what? Yeah, they're pulling you in. And if you could swim in, you'd just swim in, but you know, it just gave mm-hmm. you an extra thing. Sure. And so, um, <clears throat> I mean, I've, I've worked there excuse me, for over 50 years, 50 years, sorry, five years. (laughs) But we had over 50 rescues in the time we were there. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you that uh, one person one time wrote a letter to the mayor and referred to us as a well-oiled machine, the way they saw us. But every day we would practice making a rescue. That's the first thing we did. In the morning we'd go there, we'd swim what we call the box, before anybody got there, we do a practice rescue. Everybody's in, in peak shape of their life. And it was pretty cool, you know, to be able to to um, operate that way and do things a little bit different. I've never seen anybody do it since. And ironically enough, just, just uh, here we are. That was, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably, I'm in my 20s. So I'm talking 30 <laughs> years ago, right? This is 30 years ago, just yeah. yesterday yeah time flies brother it flies oh. just yesterday i'm watching tv i i rewind and pause a commercial i go laura see that guy right there on the commercial i worked with him she goes what i said i work he's an actor now mike rad is his name i said i worked with him you know he was a lifeguard with me i died at brick beach many years ago she's like oh my god him i'm like him you know and it, it's just really funny because uh Uh, A lot of those guys actually uh, did quite well for themselves. But going back to that, you know, I I remember here I am now being in the fire service, uh, having that same feeling. Hey, like you said, you show up. Everybody knows their job. Everybody does their job because you have to train for it. It doesn't just happen naturally. A group of people do not perform at a high level if they don't prepare at a high level. It's that simple.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and uh, help me out here if I, if I butcher this, but it kind of talks, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about being the sixth person, right? If you hang out with five fast runners, you'll be the sixth, that kind of thing. Or, you know, you may not be as fast as them, but your time will go up. If you measure, if, you know, if you test yourself or um, record it, however you want to say that. But basically it all comes down to all of the basics with, um, communications and systems in place and everyone else knows each other's jobs. And then what, what I'm getting at with this is when you work together and you do the training and you know, people's nuances, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses as an officer, you know, and I mean, I know this happens to me, guys on my shift know when I'm not that great at, and guys know when I'm everybody,
0: like, let's, let's like, pause for a moment. Everybody knows yeah. what their leadership, as an example, like you, uh, I know the people above me, the people below me, I know what they're good at, what they're not good at. We can't fool anybody. That's an even more important reason to recognize when you have people that have strengths and, and try not to act like you know more than them. The story you started with, you know, leadership does not mean you're an expert. A person could be an expert without ever reaching a leadership title, but they're still a leader in that area. And you have to recognize that. And I apologize for cutting you off, but I think that's a very important point that we have to yeah. make kind of during this Yeah, no,
1: I, and no, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, and you don't want, they don't want you to know everything. Like they, I, I don't know how to explain this either, but, or I'm, follow me on this, excuse me. Um, you know, as a firefighter, there was a couple of times where I had a new, you know, a, a new officer would come in and he would say, you know, hey, look, you know, because for us, we have to be paramedics to promote. And he's like, hey, you know, I've been on Medicare for a little bit. Uh, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to need your help with a few things, especially the area, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, we'd go and we'd do look at different buildings or whatever. Or we'd run a call and I, you know, as the firefighter in the back, you know, hey, LT, we have to start with the 400. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. Then afterwards, he's like, hey, man, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought of the 400. I thought we could have drove up there. Nice job. It made you feel kind of good. To be able to yeah. have an effect, and and the biggest thing with that is you feel appreciated. Yep, that's the biggest thing is feeling is is the appreciation. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so, listed as the leading
0: cause of low morale in the workplace is feeling underappreciated. In yeah. most polls, in most polls, you'll read about what causes low morale. Yes, leadership is up there. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things of like micromanagement. It's all up there, but feeling underappreciated is typically the top. And uh, I think we need, and this is something I teach a lot in my books and in my classes, yes. you, it's okay to, to catch someone doing the right thing and to yeah. tell them, hey, good job. And yeah. it's amazing how you can uh, create a, a really strong, healthy environment if people are not threatened by the other people who have talent, skills, ability, and knowledge that are around them. Don't be threatened by them. This is your team. You want them to be great at what they do.
1: Yeah, and just like, you know, feeling it's nice to feel appreciated when you make a suggestion to somebody and they listen to it and they appreciate it. It's also kind of nice. Like I just and the the flip side of this is when they actually want to step up and speak, whether you like it or not, and they're going to be blunt and abrupt with you in a in a professional and and polite way. But they're going to make their point and they're not going to sugarcoat it. Where I had a situation where um, somebody asked me to address a situation. And their response was also, and this is by text, also they said, uh, don't be a smart ass about it because they'll destroy you, right? So the whole whole scenario was um, there was a situation that they asked for extra um, information on, and there's two people that run an office, and we'll call it the um, quality control office just for… You know, ease a conversation here this. and anonymity. Um, and the two people that run it are incredibly intelligent. And what the guy with the guy that was telling me was getting at, you know, don't be a smartass when you reach out to him because they're smart enough by written word to absolutely destroy you, and make you look like an idiot. Not the way I probably would have told somebody that, but All right. All right. He, he, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, he gave a shit enough to say something and wasn't afraid to say it to me. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And, you know, we were off work. We weren't, we weren't, you know, um, the person stays in their lane, I think with a lot of things when it comes to decorum, but the fact that they're able to say, Hey, don't do that. You're going to look like an idiot. Or if they catch you and they're like, Hey, you just did a, B and C, uh, do you think that was really productive? And then I stop and I'm like, you know, I usually don't slip up like this. And I think I might've slipped up. Right. So... When you have people under your command that are willing to step up and say those things to you, that's important. That's very important. To me, that's just as important as when my bosses make me feel appreciated, it makes me feel very validated, I guess, that they respect me enough to say something and not hold back. Because when there's, do you understand what I'm saying? Like there's people that will talk shit to you and say crap to you because they don't respect you and that's just kind of how they are. You know, yeah. I, I, they shoot you a text, you know, Hey man, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's the difference there, I think. And I think there's always going to be people that are going to just be rude and shitty. And that's just.
0: For sure. There's going to be people that are going to be that way. And there's going to be other people that are going to sincerely want to give you advice that they feel can help you. <laughs> now, but also, there's people that are going to give you advice to make it look like they're trying to help you, but they're trying to hurt you too. I've, I've come across those people and this isn't fire service. This is life. I mean, I uh, have yeah. had, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've met, uh, quite a few people that I would not classify them as good people and unfortunately um they come into our lives but at the same time it's a great lesson it's a great lesson because uh, I have this uh, unique ability not that I don't think it's unique at all actually I think it's just being aware of, uh, I, I'd call it situational awareness with people, right? What is situational awareness? It's seeing bad things before they happen. I explained this to my kids not too long ago. When a police officer goes to uh, to a restaurant, they like sitting with their back to the wall, looking at the front door. When a firefighter walks into a brand new restaurant, what are they looking for? Exits, situational awareness. This is what we're trained to look for. And uh, sometimes I, I watch and I listen to people, I want to see the good in everybody. Sincerely, I want to see the good in, in everybody. But sometimes you could just tell somebody's not sincere and they're going to show their true colors very soon. And I've called a few people um, out on this, or I should say I've I've brought attention to this a few times with my wife saying, we got to be careful uh, with this one. Because, uh, and I've been right 100% of the time. Yeah. Not, not 20%, 100% of the time. Uh, sometimes they're a lot more uh, vicious than I thought they would be, but I've seen it before. It's just how some people are built, and yes, um, yeah. but and and every now and then we could find ourselves working with certain people like that, and that's a tough place to be because we say you want to be careful of who you hang out with, and sometimes you're forced by by profession. To hang out with people you're like you know what if i did not work with these people i would never know them i'd never hang out with them i wouldn't really be in their presence well you have to figure out how to make that work that's a that's a great sign of maturity and leadership too you don't have to agree with everybody with each other on everything my whole thing when i'm dealing with people that i disagree with it it comes uh, down to a simple word of respect are they showing me respect i'll show anybody respect I will show anybody, even if they initially disrespect me, uh, I look at that as if, oh, this is something going on in their life, not mine. And I'm willing to to uh, to kind of reserve my my and hold back my knee jerk reaction and be a professional here. Uh, the, The time where I'll stop respecting someone is when they completely disrespect me and they think they can do it consistently, because I do believe people will treat you the way you allow them to treat you right nasty
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> you right <laughs> well played you know and Pearl. it's 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 re- that's really it's really good and that, that was a very tough lesson that I learned um and one of the other lessons that I learned as well and, and help me out here a little bit uh if I'm not saying this right but there's been a lot of times that I've just sat what I learned what like I like talking which is why I do a podcast I like bullshitting with people I like telling fish stories at the, at the kitchen table at work. And no, it wasn't a room off. It was three rooms or, you know, like, I gotcha, I gotcha people know when you're bullshitting them and, and, and all that. And, and obviously there's, a, there's, there's a, there's a time and place for everything, but what I've learned is it's fun to chuck and jive and talk crap. The one thing I also very underappreciated, and I don't think I really learned until maybe this last year is if you just shut up and start listening. You're gonna pick up on those things, like we are talking about with people that just are not good people. Like you know, you hang around with certain people enough, and you're like, you're listening to them, and you know you, this. All this guy is saying, he's saying all this stuff. He's like, yeah, I, I did this, and it was funny. I did this to this guy, and this was funny. And this was funny, and that blah, blah, blah. And you're just kind of sitting there, and they're doing shitty things to people, and you're kind of like, are you doing that to me? That's well, not only that, like by you, the know way, I, you know what I do know what you mean.
0: Listening is the most underutilized skill in. Yeah society in general people yeah. aren't listening with the intent of understanding that's number one but it's not only listening you could just go right on their social media and you can learn a lot about people yeah a lot i've seen yeah. people in leadership positions post stuff on social media that i'm thinking uh, you can i mean how could you not know you're jeopardizing your job or or your credibility your yeah. reputation by posting the things that you're posting and you know if they don't have that that just basic sense of awareness and what's right and what's wrong and common decency, that's a red flag.
1: Yeah, and you know as an officer, as a, as a company level officer, one thing you're going to learn to kind of bring this a little bit full circle too is you know you't can't, you can't dictate how people are going to treat and talk to you and and the, and the, the, the actions they'll show. You can also, but you can control how you react. There's been a lot of times where somebody has been borderline rude, kind of shitty with certain things. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I don't do that to you, but you're doing that to me. But we are in a professional setting, so I'm going to continue to default to professionalism. May not be today, may not be tomorrow, may not be next year. At some point, these things will come back on those people. Also. At some point, someone will remember how you treated them. And years, 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 years down the road, it's going to come right in your, it's going to get dropped right into your lap. And you either are going to say, you know, something to the effect of, man, I'm glad I was nice to that guy, or holy crap. What did I do to myself? And and I've been yeah. on both sides of that fence.
0: That's part of growth though. See, now if people go th- have been through that and, and you look back and say, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I've had at least a couple dozen very strong, what was I thinking moments in my life. I mean, very, very, very strong moments. Like what a dumb thing that was. But uh, I think that if you if you have moments you look back in your life you look back with true regret regret for your actions um or inaction that's a sign of maturity you sure. that's a sign of growth you're looking back you're a better version of yourself now you see that it was wrong uh, i remember see my my brother-in-law who's no longer with us you know god rest his soul you know um very untimely uh, unexpected death and i can tell you that oh thank you uh, he um he said something to me one time uh I was trying to be cool and uh acting way out of character for me and thinking like oh this will make me seem cool around him and around other people he's you know you know probably about 8 years older than me and uh me trying to be this way he says you know you're starting to sound like so and so and he named a person that I don't respect at all. And that one sentence, basically what he said to me is stop being a dick. Yeah. That's what he said to me because that's what you are right now. You're acting just like him and you know, that's how everybody looks at him. And when he said that, I was like, Ooh, you know what? He's right. I'm trying to act cool. And I look like an idiot, kind of like this, that other individual, but it took a, you know, I'm, I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he did it because when he did it, it was a, a wake-up call. And, I, and I've often said uh, when I when I talk about him, I'm like, he said something to me that changed my life, and that's all it was. That's a, he just called me out on it. And um, I wish more people did that when I was doing stupid things and acting like an idiot, you know, growing up. I wish more people said, "That's not what you want to do," you know, because you do that. Uh, this is how people are going to look at you and here's going to be your reputation. And that's not what you want. But, um, if you end up getting yourself in a situation where you're surrounded by people like that, uh, cherish them, people that are going to hold you accountable, interlocking accountability is so important where we all look out for each other and say, I don't know if you want to do that. You mentioned this a little, I don't know if you want to do that. You know, uh, you know what, maybe you're right. Sometimes we need that filter. Because it's easy in life to lose it. And even what you do, you do, uh, you know, podcasting. Uh, I podcast and uh, I was working uh, when I podcasted. And I know there were some people I worked with, um, you know, in leadership positions that weren't happy about it. I made it a point. I'm not going to say anything to throw anybody under the bus. That's not my style. It's never been my style. But at the end of the day, you're telling a story sometimes, and some people think, oh, he must be talking to me. I know a guy who's who's very successful. Uh, I don't even want to tell you what he does. If I tell you what he does, you'd figure out who he is immediately. He's very successful at what he does. He is a firefighter, and the content that he puts out, his chief more than once pulled him in the office and said, you, is this me? you know, you're trying, are you, are you saying that I do this? And he's like, no, it's got nothing to do with you. I'm just, I'm kind of making a statement based on his platform. He's making a statement on how we can do things better. But that person, you know, kept thinking everything was about him. And so that person kept making life a little bit more difficult for him every single year. And he's like, I'm not doing it, um, to hurt him or my department and he wasn't never did hurt his department. I'm just saying that's one of these things. You know, you want to get out there, you want to put out good content, you want to try to make the world better, you want to make your organization better. There will be people that will be threatened by that too. There will be people that want will want to hold you down and say, "Well, hold on. Hold on. What are you trying to do?" I'm trying to improve things. That's okay. Some people are going to be threatened by that. And that goes right back to what we started talking about. Where when you got talented people around you that are doing good things, that are making a difference, that are that are serious about training, serious about, about uh, just helping us improve in general, don't squash that. Don't put out that fire. I used an analogy the other day that as a writer and as a speaker, I feel it is my job to light your inner fire. It's your job to burn down the forest once it's lit. And by the way, that's a terrible analogy for a firefighter. <laughs> But you know what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, we're the only industry that's um, putting ourselves out of business with fire prevention and all those other things. So it's always been a bit of a um, oxymoron, I guess, maybe if you think about it. Um, But to touch on what you're talking about, I mean, you you, you had a lot of really good points. And and I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, and and this touches on the very beginning as well, is the farther away you go from your being yourself the worse you're going to make yourself look. So yeah. if you always try to fit the mold of something else or someone else or an I- ideology that's not something of a self-improvement, you're going to make yourself look like an idiot. And there's been so many times where I thought I would say or do something or tell a story or make a joke that would be funny, and I look like a moron. And when it, and I'm actually very it's, – it's ridiculously ironic that you're talking about uh, somebody with a podcast and their chief kind of calling them out. My chief did not call me out. So just make sure this is clear if anyone's listening. Um, I have people that will say shit about me and doing a podcast like, what the hell do you know, that kind of everybody, stuff.
0: Or, everybody that's doing what you do has that, by Everybody.
1: Boy. And I I didn't really – I guess I didn't really in my mind get ready for that. And, and it kind of hit my ego really bad. And then I started feeling a little um, insecure. And every, I mean, and this is, I mean, my hand to God, every time I felt somewhat insecure, like, you know, do I really, should I really be doing this? I thought to myself, you know, F those people. They don't know me if they're going to say those things like that. And if they are saying those things like that, they don't respect me. And every single one of them, because, you know, they're so stupid to put it on social media, I don't talk to them anyway. I don't see them, give a shit what they have to say. But the funny thing is, as this has progressed over the last year, Every time something like that would happen, I would get a, just a random person that I work with. I'd see them on a call, work overtime around them. They'd hit me up on the Instagram. They'd shoot me a text or call me. Hey, man, I've listened to a couple of your stuff. It's it's really good. You know, I really like what you're doing. It's really nice how relatable it is. Unexpectedly. Yeah. Well, here, you know, and here
0: if I can give you some advice on that, by the way, uh, don't believe your own press. Don't believe the ones that say you're bad. Don't believe the ones that say you're good. Just keep going in that direction you want to go in. Because uh, if we get too many people saying, you know, well, let's put it this way. I'm, I'm the author of 10 books. So you can go on Amazon and you could read my reviews. And if you go on Amazon and read them, you're going to see... The majority of them are really good to a point where I'm actually kind of surprised because I don't think my, of myself as a good writer. I think I tell sure. a good story. I think I have a great message as far as my ability. Um, yeah, I could definitely improve. But so when I see these really good reviews, it feels good. But then you get the bad ones and the bad ones bring you right back down. Yeah. I don't try to stay too high or too low. Yeah, it's gonna be right in the middle there. All right, I'm yeah. gonna keep putting the content out. Some people are gonna like it. Some people aren't. Did you ever hear um, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson? You ever hear him talk about how he became popular in WWE? It's really good stuff. You probably you might have heard it before. But in short, Maybe. I'll say this: they create a character for you, right. and the character they created for him was a babyface, good guy, Rocky Maivia. Mm-hmm. You know that comes out smiling all the time. And first couple matches, you know, he went over pretty well. And then they just started booing him and chanting Rocky sucks. They, you know, and he's like, they hate me. And the WWE is kind of like, well, that's not the worst thing, because they really hate it. I mean, we will want people to either really love you or really hate you. Because that's gonna that's gonna put seats or or butts in the seats, right? So sure, that's sure. what we want. Well, I, I, if if I'm not mistaken, he got injured. He was away for a while. He came back and he came back as a heel, a bad guy being more of what he says, being more of who he wanted to be. Mm. This is who I want to be in this ring. This is the character that I feel most comfortable playing in this. And, you know, arguably, you know, a, one of the top 10 best wrestlers of all time, as far as popularity oh, yeah. goes. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, a hit man. And this guy just recently just had a return and, uh, you know, it sounded like the the house was going to shake down. If you watch the clips on, on YouTube that he, that he puts out there, but, uh, but, and you know, he's a good guy because here's, if you follow him on Instagram, I mean, he's a pretty good guy, but he's a guy who had to be himself and stop trying to play the role. Somebody else wanted him to play, you know, in leadership. I'm not, listen, when I teach a class, I'm not trying to shape you into the leader I want you to be. I want you to find you. You're going to be, maybe you're going to be more abrasive than I was when I dealt with people, but maybe you're going to be also better at handling certain situations that I wasn't good at handling. Doesn't matter. You will have strengths, you will have weaknesses. You have to find them and you have to stay in that lane. Build on your strengths, but also build on your weaknesses. So, and I, I know i'm going a little bit left uh to the left right now i have no, um, i have my my dog i don't know if you know this but uh but i had written a book uh a children's book called sprinkles the fire dog right yep and um my son i have it uh over here my son who is uh he just turned 13 he was 12 wrote me an essay for christmas mm-hmm. called our missing piece and when I'm reading it, he starts off cause we have another dog named Bodie. He says, uh, imagine, uh, living alone, not having any friends and always being left alone in the house when your family went out to things like baseball games or parties. Well, that's how our dog Bodie must feel. And he goes down the list of talking about how it's time we get our missing piece. And in that he makes the determination that we should get a Dalmatian. Why should we get a Dalmatian? Well, it's the perfect dog for sure. Firefighter, you wrote a book about a fire dog. The fire dog was a Dalmatian. He makes a pros and cons list that include everything from, uh, it'll help me be more responsible all the way down to, it'll help you promote your business. And (laughs) the cons list, by the way, Mike, this was the cons list. He wrote, the cons are, there are no cons. It's perfect. So I had to sit down and have a a very strong discussion with him on how we are not getting another dog. We're not getting a Dalmatian. We're not going to name him Sprinkles. You have to get that idea out of your head. Um, Long and short of it is that dog you might hear barking in the background is our new dog, our new Dalmatian named Sprinkles, because he he won the argument. I said to my wife, he's going to be an attorney or 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 whatever he is. He's stubborn enough that he's probably going to be very successful. That's pretty funny. So I apologize uh, if anybody hears that dog in the background, but that's the story. No, no. He, he, my, other dog, my other dog has been laying by me uh, on the side mm. here the entire time. Wherever <laughs> I go, he is just by my feet hanging out. And, and you know what? I'm going to actually say this real quick. Sure, if anybody ahead. is dealing with stress, anxiety, um, panic attacks, stuff like that. Man, I dealt with stress and anxiety a lot in my life. Um, I, I've never, uh, held back from telling people that I dealt with it. I don't really deal with it anymore, but when I was younger, I did, but, um, get yourself a dog. You'd be amazed at how therapeutic and awesome they are. No, um, I, I have no right? doubt.
1: No, I, 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 I don't have a dog anymore. I had one. Um, but, uh, that's a whole different conversation. So. We're at a little bit of a lull or a good kind of a good place to uh, kind of end this and start wrapping things up. And and before, yeah. before we, we end, I, I want to kind of touch a little bit on um, where this started with, with the rock and everything and, and, and yeah. the Instagram stuff. And I, And I think what I wanted to say with that was it did not affect my ego as far as like liking or not liking what it did was it validated my message to where, you know, I mean, I'd have to pull it up to give you specifics, but I'm right around 60,000 downloads on the podcast, uh almost 16,000 followers on Instagram. Uh the average reel is between 20 to 30,000 views. You know, I think my shares it cuz it's a business profile on Instagram. So the shares are right right around 2,500 per post. Um the whole point is it, it's not about the social media. It's not about popularity. It's not about any of that stuff. It's the message makes sense. The message is relatable. So what does that do for today's episode and what we're talking about? None of what I did on my podcast, none of this would have been possible without guests like you, people supporting me. Um, you know, when I first started this, a guy named Frank Malta really helped me out. Um, He's a Frederick guy. He's a local guy. He he works in the county that I live in. Um, Great guy. And I've had a lot of people really help me along the way. And a lot of people kind of jump in. Hey, Mike, you posted this. Mm, You might want to take that down. Or hey, your post doesn't... People that I thought I was close with and people that I thought um, had my best interest in mind. I learned over time, unfortunately, they did not. And that was, and that's just a life lesson. It is. It, it, just, it is what it is. Unfortunately, at that point, um, you know. So the point, the point that I'm making is, I learned that on a, a, a maybe a professional level. We could call this a, a podcast professional level. Um, but you know, to tie again, like I said, to tie it all together, you have to listen to these other people. You have to take things you can from others, especially if it's a situation you don't know that well. And when you're a new officer, yeah, you're a new officer, but the jobs aren't changing. You're the officer, but a ladder truck is still going to put lights, ladders, ventilation into the building. They're going to do overhaul. You're going to search for victims. You're going to put your aerial up, all those things. On an engine, you're going to lay out, pull a line, have your, everyone's going to have their gear on. Everyone's going to have their BA on. Ultimately, you're there to provide a service. So what you're doing isn't changing. Your responsibility is what's changing. Hopefully, you are in the position where you have experience in all those other jobs to where now all you do is fine-tune, coach, guide, be a cheerleader, You know, put promote your guys and all that. And you just kind of um, orchestrate. And, and something that I've said a lot um, on my podcast and, and, and in my Instagrams and all that stuff is, you know, it's just like a puzzle. Not everybody's an edge piece or a corner piece, but you can't complete a puzzle without every piece. So… Frank, I, Frank, I appreciate you. you. You actually don't have sound right now.
0: Oh, oh, all right. How's that better? I muted better it because the dog was barking. I forgot I was muted. <laughs> that uh, that has um, it reminds me of uh, Steve Jobs, the movie when when he says, "What do you do? I do this." He's doing that. You're doing that, Steve. What do you do? He says, "I play the orchestra." You know, he knows what everybody's good at. He's putting them in that, putting his aces in their places. And he's saying, he's setting the direction for them. And that's the thing too, you know, you have to set the direction for the team and then you have to keep them focused on the mission. And that's an art and a talent in and of itself. And if you can do that, that's a good sign that you're leading a team in the right place. So, and again, this, we're just scratching the surface on the short conversation that we had here today, but it's, it's the start. You know, I think we covered a lot of good things that uh, that people can listen to and, and grab a, a nugget here and there and say, hey, I can utilize that. That can help me. But the bottom line is, you know, um, leadership is a, is a it's an interesting thing because you you have to know where you want to go. Leadership one on one is quite simple. You know what it is? You know, identify a problem. OK because leadership is about solving problems, right? Identify a problem. Well, we're very good at doing that in our industry. Uh, We respond to problems constantly. So we're trained to look for problems, but sometimes the problems are simple ones that are right around our fire station and we ignore them constantly. So step one, identify a problem. Step two, assemble a group of people.
1: We already work
0: with the people. You don't have to figure out who you're going to get to solve the problems again around your fire station or on the calls you go to you already work together but step three you have to develop a solution together we started talking about that you put your heads together and we come up with a plan and then step four is go solve the problem those are the four steps to leadership if there was a step five it's repeat that's it repeat that process and if you do those things uh, you start learning about yourself. You start learning about your team. You start learning about uh, ways you can communicate with everybody. There's not a cookie cutter way on how to build morale. There's, you know, the way you talk to me will be different than the way you talk to you. Um, and and I had people, firefighters or officers that I could sit down and have a conversation with where you're like two buddies saying, what the hell were you thinking? I don't know what I was thinking. I thought, you know, this made sense. But now I know you could have that type of conversation. But I can't have that type of conversation with the majority of the people. Uh, You know, I have to bring them in and I have to be more delicate on how I get to what we want to talk about in a sense where I don't, when I mean delicate, let me explain. I don't want to get in an argument, win an argument and lose the support of a person I'm supposed to be leading in the process. It's not about an argument. It's not about being the loudest voice in a room. It's not about proving I'm right. It's, it's more about asking a question. Hey, what, what, in your mind, made it you think that that was the right decision to take at that point in time? Meaning, I'm not, I'm not critic, I'm not Monday morning quarterback, but why did was that the right decision for you to make at that time? I want to yeah. have a conversation, and a question like that could lead us to say he might say or she might say, you know what? When I arrived on scene, this is the information I had. This is what I saw. This is what I thought. This is why I did what I did. And we might be able to say, like we talked about earlier, well, you got that task fixation, a tunnel vision, where you're focused on something where you miss something very simple. Sure. And some, I, I, sometimes we have to back up and start looking for the simple things. Anyway, yeah. I hope people find that helpful.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. no, definitely. Um, and, and I appreciate that. And just to touch on it, just a little bit before before I wrap this up, um, there's been plenty of times where as an officer and as a firefighter where I've had people that the very first thing out of their mouth was, Hey dude, what, what happened? And then I got to explain myself. I get to, I got to tell them what I saw. And then it was one of those, all right, okay, you know what? I probably would have done the same thing, but that doesn't make this right or okay. You got to do X, Y, and Z next time. But, but I, I can understand where you're coming from. Because in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, you know, you don't have all those options and time and all those nope. other things as someone else does coming in, listening, watching, seeing, you don't, you don't have that. It's observe oriented side act, observe oriented side act, bam, 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 bam. Everything happens super fast and you have to resolve to the 80, percent solution of, yep. I got 80% of the situation ahead of me. I have to make my decision. I don't have the other 20. A good plan now is better than a great plan later, right? All That's those buzz right. phrases. Norman bill, bill, bill.
0: said a, a good leader is going to have character and strategy, but if you're going to be without one, be without strategy. Correct. Meaning Absolutely. have your character and go out and take action. And if you take the wrong action, well, that's why adaptability is such an important Correct. trait in our industry. All right, yeah. let's
1: adapt. The end of a failed strategy is the beginning of our new strategy. And you will you also will adapt with basics. You'll be like, "I don't know exactly how to do that, but I do know we have to pull this line. I do know the fire is in the basement. I have to get water on it. I don't know how to get there, but there's a window here. We're gonna flow water in there. We're going to kind of just take a reset. We're gonna slow everyone down. No big deal. A very basic action, for example. Um, so this is a great place to end this. Frank, thank you so much. Um, if anyone could if anybody wanted to reach out to you, maybe find some of your books, um, your podcast, all that stuff, where, where do you think would be a good place to read? We're going to add, we're going to add all these links and everything in the yeah, episode I, no, I appreciate but- that. I mean, step up and lead
0: on Facebook and everything else is pretty much my name. The other, uh, Frank Viscuso, uh, even my website, um, you know, if, if, uh, if you go to frankviscuso.com uh, you can go to. Uh, there's links to everything from my podcast to my books, uh, most of the stuff on that site and they get most of it, almost everything on that site is free, meaning you can go on there and get free articles and promotional tips and, um, uh, uh articles on how to build morale and how to critique and how to deal with insubordination. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff there that I think people could find helpful, but on that website
1: and even on my platforms,
0: uh, there's either an email address or, or a number to reach me at
1: Okay, awesome thank you and uh, like you. I said we're going to add all that uh, to everything below Frank don't go near real quick while I close this out thank everybody thanks again for coming back to the uh, Spirit Leadership Podcast we greatly appreciate it you know this has been a really good discussion um, the biggest thing that you need to remember here is it's always about character it's always about you don't get in your own way don't step on your own two feet and most of all you know, take care of one another and just love the job. This is a fun job. It's a lot of fun. It goes by quick. So just be yourself, uh, you know, and ultimately a good character will always win. So uh, everybody, tip of spirit leadership, be present, be yourself, be unstoppable. Thank you guys, and we'll see you in the next few weeks with more coming episodes.